Good morning. I want to say uh, thank you uh, to Pastor Christian for allowing me the freedom to preach on anything I want to. So that is super exciting. Um, and then also thank you to you all for being here. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapters 28, verses 5 through 9. And the scripture reads, Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to the place from Babylon. Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you may have prophesied war, disaster, and plagues against many countries and great kingdoms. But the, prophets, the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by God only if his prediction comes true. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now let's pray. Loving and merciful God, we thank you for today. We thank you for every person gathered in this space and every person gathered online. And we just ask that you open our hearts, plant seeds in them so that they may grow and that we may bear fruit, peace. And it's in your mercy, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today's sermon is called, God's Peace Surpasses All Understanding. God's Peace Surpasses All Understanding. Uh, by a show of hands, has anyone heard of the baby doll experiment? Yes, the baby doll experiment. Okay. So the baby doll experiment included a research study with a total of four baby dolls. Two of the baby dolls resembled a dark skin complexion and the other two resembled a lighter skin complexion. The baby dolls were placed in front of the children and social scientists asked the black children to identify which dolls were quote unquote nice and which dolls were quote unquote bad, and which doll is most like you. The experiment proved that the children were directly impacted by the lies about race. And it proved that discrimination made them feel inferior. So I want us to make some connections between the children who felt inferior uh, during the experiment and the people of God at the time of Jeremiah. But first, I want to read a quote from Toni Morrison's novel, The Bluest Eye. 
And one of the things that I love about Toni Morrison is how she advocated for the humanity and the dignity of people, including black children in her novels. In The Bluest Eye, as an example, how Toni Morrison na narrated the internal suffering of an 11-year-old black girl. Her name was Pacola. And she believed that she needed to have blue eyes to be beautiful. Pacola faced rejection and abuse from her peers, which only reinforced the lie that whiteness was better and nicer, causing her severe psychological distress. Toni Morrison offered this critique on Pacola's community. We rearranged lies and called it truth, seeing in the new pattern of an old idea, the revelation and the word. So what in the world is Toni Morrison talking about here? I want us to circle back to this question later, but first let's shift our attention to the text. The book of Jeremiah includes the faith perspectives of individuals who were oppressed during the Babylonian Empire. And one of the main issues present in the scripture reading for today is false prophets. Biblical scholars reported that the people of God at the time believed that prophets spoke directly with God and spoke for God. Thus, Jeremiah warns them about false prophets, instructing the people of God to listen. Verse 7 reads, but listen now to this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all people. Why do you think Jeremiah instructed the people to listen? And why was Jeremiah warning the people of God about false prophets? I think that Jeremiah knew how messy this discernment process can be. I think that Jeremiah understood that it's not always easy to discern God's will for our lives. Sometimes we encounter lies that appear to be truthful, especially through the reinforcement of society, family, our friends, the church, ourselves. We can be our own worst enemy sometimes. And sometimes we are pretty aware of the lies, but facing the truth would hurt too much, especially when that truth means that we'll be exiled, rejected, discriminated against. I imagine that the people of God and Jeremiah encountered so much chaos that they struggled to make their lives make sense. They blamed each other. They blamed women. They blamed their sins and shortcomings. They blamed God. 
So perhaps this is what Toni Morrison was talking about in The Bluest Eye. When she wrote, we arranged lies and called it truth. So the point here is that our lives are often filled with so many false prophets that we start to believe the lies. And the crazy thing about lies is that they have the potential to deceive and disrupt our inner peace. This message is not about pointing the finger at anyone or anything. There is a time and a place to take accountability. Rather, I want us to think about God's peace. So I don't know about you all, but when I think about peace, I automatically associate peace with fluffy clouds, doves in the sky, a calming space to meditate, a river. But God's peace is not always comfortable or convenient. Verse nine reads, but the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by God only if his prediction or her prediction comes true. This means that no one knows what the future holds but God. And God's peace surpasses all understanding. So when things are not going our way, when things don't make sense, when we make poor decisions in life, when we're faced with rejection, we still have the freedom to choose peace. This message of unwavering peace reminded me of Dr. Evelyn Parker's book entitled The Sacred, Sacred Selves of Adolescent Girls, where Korean Americans, African Americans, Latinas, working class whites, and lesbians shared their struggles with racism, sexism, classism, and heterosexism. Like the people of God during the time of the Babylonian Empire, like many of us today, the adolescents in Dr. Parker's book utilized their faith to make sense of their experiences. And they utilized their faith to disrupt the lies that they have been told about their race and their gender. Dr. Evelyn Parker argued in her book that realization, resistance, resilience and ritual are four essential components for nurturing a wholesome and holistic spirituality in adolescent girls. Today, I would like to bring our attention to one of those four components. Dr. Parker explained that realization 
is empowering adolescent girls to think critically about systemic issues rather than blaming the problems of society on themselves. This type of realization doesn't begin with self, but begins with the critical observation of the world in which she lives. The purpose of realization in this form is so that adolescent girls begin to believe that they are created in the image of God. Realization, said Dr. Parker, moves through listening, questioning, mourning, and birthing or creating. Questioning is a significant element in spirituality and the discernment processes of adolescent girls. And Dr. Parker also stated, for an adolescent girl, realization is loving God. It's loving God by the way she puts things together and how she makes sense of her discrete experiences and endows them with meaning. So I know we have covered a lot this morning. We've done some unpacking in regards to how lies impact the inner experiences of children and adolescent girls. We've made some connections to the messy and imperfect processes of discerning God's truth and God's will for our lives. And we have engaged in some critical thinking about God's peace when faced with exile and rejection. So how do we, UVC, choose God's peace in the midst of chaos? God's peace is very much connected to what we believe. And we just so happen to be a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. We believe in the good news of the gospel. We believe in the inclusive elements of our baptism. And we believe that we can experience God's peace, God's best, every day and all day. Because we believe in the gospel, we can be a place that holds space for people to discern God's truth and discover their worth and dignity in Christ. Because we believe in the gospel, we can choose to be a church that remains grounded in God's truth. And a church that remains grounded in God's truth is a church that embodies God's peace. Embodying God's peace means being the place that holds space for children to question and disrupt lies that they may have internalized. Embodying God's peace means that we trust in God's will for our lives. 
it's okay to trust God. I don't think it's foolish because God cares about the smallest details of our being. A church that chooses to trust God and walk in the truth of God's word will bear fruit of the spirit. A church that seeks peace will remain strong and united. And remember that things don't have to be perfect for us to choose peace. Things don't have to make sense for us to choose peace because God's peace surpasses all understanding. And our peace is the evidence that God is with us. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the message today about peace. We trust that the seeds that were planted in each of us will bear fruit in due time. In your mercy we pray, amen.